Hey, hey, welcome back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. Hope everyone is having an amazing day. It's a beautiful November 3rd, 2022, 3.23 in the afternoon here in Kansas City. And we are in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. All right. Jesus and John the Baptist. Jesus and John the Baptist. Reading out the New Living Translation. All right. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his, to his 12 disciples, he went out. Now, let me pause for a second. Sometimes you have to remember. It blew my mind when one of my uh, my former pastors, house church pastor, he told me that uh, there were no chapters in the Bible uh, before when they compiled the scriptures together. They didn't, all the numbers and verses were added. It's like, yeah, you got a point. Yeah, they had to, yeah, to make it make more sense. And to, but really, if you were to read this back in the original manuscripts, uh, you know, Dead Sea Scrolls and all that stuff, there wouldn't have been all these breaks. So you have to remind yourself, okay, what was he just, what were the instructions that he's talking about? Everything in chapter one. I don't know, just when you're reading the Bible, sometimes you got to step outside of the numbers and the chapters and verses and just kind of just read it. That's why it helps to read it from Genesis to Revelation. Anyway, all right. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions, this is my opinion on that. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, everything that he said in chapter one about, you know, when you go in people's houses and they treat you nicely, you know, bless them if they don't pull back the blessing if they're worthy. Anyway, go back and read that. He went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Verse 4, Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, and those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Now, I encourage y'all to go once again read some commentary on that fall away in different translations so what he's saying when he says fall away because some people think oh there's another scripture that proves that you can lose your salvation it says or who are not offended by me the little notes it has in here anyway just go read more on your own so it's good to read context and read multiple translations and uh read some commentaries about this stuff and I'll, I encourage you to pick only like one or two commentaries that you trust that are pretty solid. Like I like the Tony Evans. That's a pretty solid one. That's the Bible that I actually have, the Tony Evans Study Bible. And past recordings, I have been reading all that Bible and reading the commentaries. But for right now, I've just been feeling led to just read straight from the Bible app, the New Living Translation, and just allow the Holy Spirit to just, whatever comes to mind, speak whatever comes to my mind as I'm reading just allow it to just get revelation as I read versus like and then later on go back and get more revelation 
I was telling a lady the other day, talking about reading the Bible. I think I've said this before, but she was saying that she was reading the Bible in a year and she didn't like it because it was like, you know, bouncing around everywhere. You read a little bit of Genesis and read a little bit of um, like a Psalm or a proverb and then have you read like two books out of the New Testament. And it was just kind of all over the place. And I was just telling her how my grandma always has encouraged me and said this, but she encourages people to read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation just straight through. Um, and I was telling her that just in my personal experience, since I've been doing this, a lot of the things that I've been reading are matching up with things, real events going on in my own life or like, I'll be reading something in here and then the sermon on Sunday is about lines up with what I did when I'm reading in here or um, the Bible app, something in the Bible app or some, my brother reads uh, every morning, he'll read something out of, uh, on WhatsApp, he shares, and on, on Facebook Messenger, he shares with my mom and our, fam our extended family. He shares uh, Joyce Myers devotional. He reads out of that. And something that he reads out of that will line up with exactly something I'm dealing with in my life or something I'm reading right now by just reading the Bible chronologically. And it's amazing just how much, I don't think it's a coincidence. And the more you, I think, doing it that way, just reading straight through. Not to say for those of y'all that read the Bible in here, if that works for you, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it's something cool about doing it this way. So this works, it just works for me. So find what, at the end of the day, if you're just reading the Bible, that's good. Just whatever it takes to encourage you to read, want to desire to read the Bible more. Because the more you read it, the more it reads you and the more it changes and transforms you into being more like Jesus. All right, verse seven, as John's, at the end of the day, that's the whole point of even reading the Bible. If, if, if when we're reading it, it's not making us more like Jesus, then just keep on reading it, because <laughs> eventually you will, I, I guarantee it. Um, you, will, you will become more and more like him. And not just parts of it, but all of it in full context, beginning to end. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into? My bad. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? Hmm. No people. No people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say. I'm highlighting all this good stuff, yeah. This was wild. If John the Baptist showed up to the average modern American church, it would be interesting to just do a whole undercover John the Baptist show have John have somebody dressed like John the Baptist and walk into a church and see how he gets treated. <laughs> yeah, that would be very interesting. All right, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, we're actually going to talk about that very topic when we get into like this thing is Corinthians talks about how we treat people who don't look as nice or might have a smell to them. All right, John is a man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare you, prepare your way before you. 
Verse 11, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. So for those of y'all, I sometimes struggle with this, who think you are, you know, the bench warmers in the in in the Christian faith, <laughs> or you sometimes look at your life and things that you've done or you said, and you're not always on, like you feel like the tough man on the team. Shoot, sometimes you might feel like the water boy or the towel boy on the on the basketball team or the cameraman. Like, I don't know. You don't feel very significant in the kingdom of God. Here you go. Not to boost your ego, but whenever you're trying to f- you feel bad or feel like not that great of a Christian or you look at other people like, oh, man, that per- or you look at pastors or evangelists or people like, oh, that person is on fire for God. That person, God loves that person. That person is special. He's a five-time all-star in the in the kingdom of God, right? Whatever. You know, I'm just being real. These Maybe y'all don't have these thoughts. Sometimes I have these thoughts. You know, that's the MVP of Christianity, right? You know, somebody like Billy Graham. Whenever you're feeling those thoughts, go to the scripture right here, verse 11. I'll tell you the truth. Of all, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. So... John the Baptist, he's saying John the Baptist is amazing. He's like the Giannis Atenkatukuntupupupo. Giannis, the Greek freak, he's like the Greek freak of Christianity back then, right? One of the greatest in the kingdom, right? And he's saying, even you that might think of yourself as the least in the kingdom, which is kind of a good, actually a good attitude to have so you don't get all puffed up and like, yeah, anyway prideful it's a good attitude to actually have that but there's a balance too like you can look at this and be like even you that might feel like you're the least you're greater than john the baptist that's pretty powerful isn't it to think about this is how i'll read that all right and from the time john the baptist began preaching until now the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing advancing or what else does this say it's a little note here or the kingdom of heaven has suffered from violence that line is quoted in a Todd Tribbett song. I won't sing it though. For but verse 13, verse 13, <laughs> 13, where did that come from? Verse 13, for before John came, all the prophets in the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophet said will come. Kind of confused there, but let's just keep reading. Why did he say, hold on a second. I'm trying to find a good highlight here. He says, all right, for before John came, all the prophets in the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophet said would come. So yeah, if you go back into the, the Old Testament, we've talked about this. Yeah, Malachi 4, 5, we just read that. It prophesied Elijah or John the Baptist, but it's not actually, I don't believe this, this is not, he's not saying this, as far as I know, he's not saying this is actually Elijah. He is like operating in the spirit of Elijah. I don't fully understand. I don't know. Go read some commentary on that. 
but this is who Mount. This is what he was referencing, and Malachi four five was referencing John the Baptist. Go back and read that. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. To what can I? Once again, some people when they listen, when they watch these videos later on, or they listen to this podcast, I always have to clarify. I've never been to seminary. I'm not this. I love enjoy reading the Bible, but I'm not like a Bible scholar that really gets into the. I'm never going to try to get into a debate with you or anybody. I'm never going to try to like convince a bunch of people like different nuances of the Bible and say with 100% clarity that this or this is right or wrong. At the end of the day, the only thing I am going to like say with 100% clarity is to say that Jesus Christ is Lord and he can transform your life and the Bible is true. Like stuff like that. I'm never going to like try to like get into the philosophical stuff of when I say philosophical, like debates that people get into or try to be like the Bible answer man. There you go. That's the best way I can say it. I'm not your Bible answer man. I'm just simply here to encourage folks to read the Bible more. And I get something out of this by doing this, like doing this podcast. Like it, this actually helps me want to read the Bible more by doing a podcast and putting it out there. It kind of helps me be account- hold accountable to do that. And so uh, if there's something in here, you're like, why doesn't he go into more detail about that? Or why doesn't he know that? Or something like that. Whatever thoughts you may be thinking, I'll keep saying it. Bible calculus, I kind of try to stay out of the calculus and just stick to the multiplication at the most, addition, subtraction, a little bit of algebra. All right, anyway. Verse 15, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand to what can I, maybe eventually in the future with this podcast, I might start bringing on, I've thought about bringing on some pastors and scholars. We'll see. We'll see. I'm praying about it. But ideally, I actually want to bring on just some normal folks. Like they have never actually read the Bible or just people that aren't Bible scholars just to read it together and then just talk about it. All right, that's kind of the vision for the future. Let's keep this, keep this, let's finish knocking this out though. Uh, verse 16, to what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. Verse 18, for John didn't spend his time eating and drinking. And you say, he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, feast and drinks and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners but wisdom is shown to be right by its results mm, basically watch the fruit watch the fruit see the results people are getting saved um, are people getting healed eyes have been opened look at the results yeah anyway that's how I read that. Y'all can say all this stuff about me, but look at like, people's lives are being changed in a good way. Judgment for the unbelievers. Verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. Repentance, once again, we talked about that before. It's just simply changing the way you think about your life and the choices you're making. The places you're going, the things you're doing, the things you're saying and saying, you know what, that's not right. 
that's complete in opposition to what God will want me to do, say, or go. You know, I'm going to turn to God and say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I need your help to not do those things anymore and to do the things that you have called me to do, to completely turn in the whole opposite direction. So what sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you, did for the miracles I did in you had, my bad, back it up. For if the miracles I had did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, or Tyre, how you want to say that word, that place, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Seen that analogy multiple times about ashes and burlap or potato sack. That's what I like to think of when I think of a burlap. All right, verse 22. I tell you, Tyree and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. Whenever God brings up that phrase, Judgment Day, that's going to be a very interesting day. Sometimes I look forward to it, sometimes I'm like, I don't know. As long as you have a relationship with Jesus, you really shouldn't be afraid. But there is like that human side of me like, I don't know, man. I've done some things, said some stuff. <laughs> Jesus, you, yeah. Like I'm banging all my chips, all my stock is in Jesus. Like nothing else. Not in my good works. Not in all the great, yeah, the nice things I've done. All the times I've gone to church. Whatever my stock is in Jesus, and that's it, and what he did on the cross. Because, yeah, if it turns out that all this stuff is not true, which I'm not saying it is, I don't believe it is, but if it for some reason turned out not to be, I'm kind of screwed. I mean, not kind of, I am screwed, and so, but it takes way more faith to believe, it takes way more. F- faith to believe in everything else like this whole nebulous concept of like oh maybe there is a god maybe there's not you know there's many ways to god you know that's taking a gamble to me to be certain that like he's the way the truth and life like this wristband says john three sixteen simply says for god so loved the world that he gave his only son so that it's only begotten son so who should ever perish shall uh live forever Oh, shall, yeah, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but should have everlasting life. And then John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father God except through Jesus, through him. That's way more certain and way more like, I've, yeah, it takes, to me, in my, just logically thinking, it takes less faith to believe in that. It still takes a lot of faith, but it takes less faith to believe in that and then then in this whole nebulous concept of like all these other people are right like all these like just being a good person and you know just being kind and believing the buddha or whatever all all the religions are right all these other people are right even though they don't even want they just think jesus is just a prophet at the most yeah you got there's only there's only basically two two ways in this world Jesus's way or the world's way so yeah I don't know how I got into that but let's just keep going 
Verse 23, and you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And y'all know how Sodom got down. Sodom was like, I keep saying, I've said before, Sodom was like Amsterdam, New Orleans, and Vegas rolled into one. If y'all are ever bored one day, go watch... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I recommend watching probably the whole thing. It might be kind of triggering. It's kind of crazy. But there's this show called The Mole People, or, um, or just look up The Mole People or the sewer, the sewer, sewer people that live. Uh, they live in sewers in under Vegas, and yeah, that will show you. Like, yeah, Vegas may look like all glitz and glamour on above ground, but there's a whole other underworld underground. Y'all think. The homeless folks y'all see in y'all corners in y'all neighborhood in these tent cities or something else, go check out the sewer people. I told one of my Uber riders about the sewer people. She didn't, she, she started laughing. She's like, what you talking about? I was like, yeah, look it up. It's these sewer folks. They live in sewers. All right, Jesus' prayer of Thanksgiving. I can't even take credit for that. One of my Uber riders originally told me about it. I don't know how we got on that topic of conversation, but yeah, one of my riders told me about it. All right. Jesus' prayer, Jesus' prayer of thanksgiving, verse 25. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. I always say, yeah, you have to, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but basically, in order to see the kingdom of God or have a relationship with Jesus, you have to, it, it requires humility. And basically realizing like, yeah, I'm wrong. Like my, everything that I've ever learned or been taught, even some of the things I've been taught in church are, could be and possibly most likely are wrong. Humbling myself and saying, all right, Jesus, your way. I want to know more about you. Like it takes a childlike faith and humility like to, and letting go of all the hurt you've experienced outside the church and in the church by people and just realizing that wasn't Jesus. Being like a child, like child, I always say children, you know, how usually have soft hearts. They haven't allowed themselves to be hardened yet, you know, by the world. And they haven't really, a lot, most of them haven't experienced a whole lot. Even ones that have experienced a lot of trauma and pain, you know, they, a lot of times they're still forgiving and um, have soft hearts and so um, yes for thank you says and for revealing them to the child like the child like the child like I'm not saying childish like immature I'm talking like childlike in an innocence um, a humility for the most part most children can be pretty humble anyway enough of this let's, let's keep going I can, sometimes I can just like let me just keep going verse 26 yes father it pleased you to do it this way. I always say, yeah, God's kingdom is upside down. Like in our in our world, people that talk the loudest and are the biggest jerks and bully folks with their words and their actions and their money, whatever, and power and control, money, that's usually 
who has the biggest voice and has the biggest platform and is the most powerful. But in God's kingdom, it's the complete opposite. It's like the people that are most humble, the kindest, the most giving, you know, least likely to lash back in retaliation and yell at folks and get attitudes and people who are humble. Um, and yeah, those are the greatest in the kingdom of God. We'll be, I think some of us going to be shocked to see like, a lot of janitors and stuff <laughs> like I don't know how it's going to work when the rewards are handed out but like janitors up here and even some pastors and leaders I don't know how it's going to work so I won't even I don't fully understand the Bama seat the rewards and all that so let's keep going verse 27 my father has entrusted everything to me no one truly knows the son except the father and no one truly knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him chooses to reveal him chooses to reveal him chooses to reveal him it's interesting this god chose like a lot of times in christianity there's this concept of like i've heard this said before like oh we chose jesus like i'm you know i made the choice to make him my personal lord and savior and the in especially the american and the united you know the American in us is like you know we yeah, we're big on like choice you know my body my oh no I won't say that you know what I mean like choice like with freedom of speech freedom of everything we we're the masters of our fate we're the captains of our soul that kind of ideology right so we all think like as Christians sometimes our pride kicks in is like things that we chose God we chose Jesus like we made that choice so yeah you did but let's back it up here. He chose you first. He knew you before you were even born. He chose you like he like almost like imagine when you were a kid. Some of y'all may have experienced this, some of y'all didn't. You know, I was that kid, you know, you'd be outside playing basketball on the court, Jury Elementary back in St. Louis, right? Hazelwood, shout out to Jury Elementary, the Jaguars. You'd be out on the black top and I was like kinda tall, mid tall People knew I kind of had some skills, but I didn't like stand out, stand out. So I always got and got picked in the middle. Um, some of y'all, unfortunately, you have you know been traumatized. You have memories of always being picked last because you were the chubby kid or whatever. For whatever you were, the shorter kid. You just you look like you didn't have have any athletic ability or whatever. So you always got picked last. So um, just imagine though. Jesus chose you first. And the more you, I think the more you meditate on that, there's power in just knowing that he chose you first. Like, just imagine being on the blacktop. Jesus is the captain, right, of the team. And he chose you to be on his team first. And all you had to do is simply accept, like, sure, I'll play on your team. All right, anyway, there's more I can go on that analogy, but I'll just stop there. Let's finish up. Verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This scripture will make you cry. It almost just made me cry just a sec. Like, this as I was reading that, because when I think back on my life, you know, some of y'all, you think back on your life and, you know, some of the choices you made, good and bad, to get to where you are right now, you just if you just allow yourself to just kind of sit in the moment, just think about it and the grace of God that kept you from a lot of, it could have been a whole lot worse than it was, than it is. 
And um, when you think about it, even now, some of y'all can think of at least one or two things that are just, you kind of, and we have a way as humans of just like kind of blocking stuff out or you have some friends, you know, going through a hard time, right? Who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, whether that's bills, whether that's relationship stuff, whether being, you know, single and lonely and maybe just lost a parent, I just lost my dad in May, right? And the thoughts come back. Um, some of y'all going through divorces, whatever, fill in the blank. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And then here we go. Take my yoke upon you. <laughs> I actually looked up this word because some people like get this confused with yoke. Yoke, that's why I call this. I'm calling this recording uh, over easy, like over easy eggs. It kind of help you like a mnemonic device to remember this this book of the Bible and this 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 scripture. Uh, I love. Oh, I just went out with a, uh, yeah, somebody I just met and we had breakfast, and uh, I ended up ordering. Uh, always when I go to what is it called? Uh, First Watch. I always like to get the. I think it's called a farmhouse. It's whatever. It's whatever uh, hash that they have. Um, the breakfast skillet that has vegetables. It's vegetarian and it has no meat. It's like cremini mushrooms and spinach and sun dried tomatoes and feta cheese and some other gouda cheese, I think. And and then always I'm making some of y'all hungry some potatoes. Oh man, breakfast potatoes and. And they always ask for my eggs to be over easy, you know, because then you cut into it. I learned that from, you know, from an old friend. That's the best way to eat your eggs, over easy, because then you cut into the yolk and it just runs everywhere. Apparently, that word yolk and yolk are similar. There's some similarities that going back. Uh, and anyway, we're not talking about yolk. Yolk from eggs. We're talking about the yolk that was put on um, oxen. And my counselor best explained this to me, that he believes it's like a yoke of, of one, um, meaning like, yeah, you're the, yeah, you're like that oxen and God is in control and he's, yeah, he's leading you and guiding you. Anyway, go read about yoke, go read some commentary on the scripture. I encourage you to just read as much as you can to read about the history of yokes and oxen and yeah and what he's talking about more in there but anyway, the main thing he's saying is my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light because yeah the, the oxen they will use to pull things to pull a carriage in the back or pull to like plow in the fit like yeah for for farming I don't know a ton about this because I've never actually used a yoke. I've only seen this stuff in movies and seen like read commentaries about this stuff. But the main thing, if you didn't get anything out of this, is like anything you're, I think it's uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all my care, cast all your cares on me for I care for you. Similar to here, like whatever you're dealing with, imagine that load behind, on your shoulders. That yoke that is used to pull and carry all that weight behind you right you're just walking along through life and you got this weight and the weight and that weight is you know divorce death family death of a family member 
um, shoot, suicidal thoughts, bipolar, other mental health stuff, depression, um, shoot, relational tension where you might get divorced, you feeling like you might get divorced, Pro- issues with your kids. All job stuff, money stuff, money problems, business is about to fail, whatever. Take all that stuff and say, you know what, God? Taking off this yoke, taking off it all, lifting it off. Say, here you go. Give it into you, God. And stretch it out. And some of y'all need to do that. Like, actually do that exercise. It's something I actually do a lot. But I don't do the part about, I'm going to start doing that. You know, I usually just say, hey, God, this is all the stuff I'm dealing with. I start naming the stuff that I have that I'm, I got going on this week or such and such that, I, you know, is going through a hard time and I've been praying for them or whatever. And say, you know, God, I, or these fears that I have. A lot of times I deal with fear of, like, my future and worry, like, I'm about to drive to St. Louis for a trip or whatever. And um, just fears, like, over my tires or whatever, something going wrong with them or you know, there's a lot of you know, a lot of crime that happens, like you name it, take that, those burdens and say, Lord, I give it to you right now. The loneliness, the sadness, the depression and anxiety. That's a big thing that people are dealing with right now. And I give it to you, taking it off my shoulders, giving it to you. And now I'm going to put on your yoke because you says you can go where your yoke is easy. Your burden is like, I put, I cast all my cares on you because you said in your word that you care for me, putting it on and just, you might have to do that a few times. Just keep doing it until like you feel like a release. And now when those thoughts come in your head, as they keep coming up, you might have to do this, keep doing this multiple times. Like, no, your yoke is easy. Your burden is like, I already took off that yoke, Lord. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving, I'm giving you that anxiety to you. And then when you do that, it's like the devil can't trip you up or it's not even just the devil. It's a lot of times, yeah, it's just, that's all you've ever known in your whole life is the worry. And it's just retraining your brain to like, and your spirit, retraining your, your spirit man to release the burdens. So, all right. That's all I got, y'all. Thanks for listening. I'm going to get going. It's kind of hot in here. I'll be lighting up this candle. Kind of makes it a little warm. <sighs> all right. That was good. That was felt that felt very, very therapeutic. All right. Till next time, I'll let y'all later. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will 
not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart, or you've walked away from him, and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen.